It's a trap. And welcome back to another episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinemet. This is a podcast series where we watch movies that are rated 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or 6.9 stars on IMDb, and we establish if it's worth it. Tonight, we are watching the action-adventure sci-fi movie Solo, A Star Wars Story. I am joined by Mayor Matt in Cartersville, Georgia. I've got Pow in Southern California, Jeanette in Southern California. I've got Schweitz up in Canada, and we are blessed to have the Zolo one himself, Lorenzo. What's up, guys? <laughs> what an introduction. Han Zolo. That was far. Oh, I like that too. We are far from, from meh already. Like that introduction alone is, is above meh. If you ask me, well, I, I, like I appreciate it. We go for six point nine or above. That's like at least an eight point two intro. Well, I, I appreciate it. So, do I have to get off the podcast forever now? Is that do I no, have to get no, a ratings no, down? Okay, never. Did you dare leave us? <laughs> uh, this movie came out in two thousand eighteen. It is rated PG thirteen on IMDb. It has six point nine stars. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 70% from critics with 482 reviews, a 64% from the audience with over 25,000 ratings. This movie had a budget of $275 million. Whoa! That's some serious Mickey Mouse cheddar. That's some quiche. Uh, It has grossed, however, almost $393 million worldwide. So, pretty good ROI there. Can I get a hell yeah? A hell yeah. This movie was directed by Ron Howard. You know him <laughs> from... He's, he's, t- he's got the, the, the billing of director, but well, are we going to get into that whole mess too? We, we can absolutely get into whatever sure, you want hope to. Sure, so. well, well, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sidetracking. Continue. <laughs> uh, he is known for Arrested Development, uh, directing A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13, Cocoon. This movie also stars uh, Alden, and I'm definitely going to butcher this last name, uh, Aaron Reich. Uh, you know him from sure. Hail Caesar, Beautiful Creatures, and Stoker. You also have Woody Harrelson. This is his third time being a cinema star. Uh, you know him from True Detective, The People vs. Larry Flint, Zombieland, Natural Born Killers, and uh, Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2 from The Hunger Games. We also have Amelia Clark. Millie Clark, you know her from Game of Thrones, Terminator Genesis, Me Before You. We also have Donald Glover. You know him from Atlanta, Community, Lion King, and also one of my favorites, The Martian. We also have, I'm absolutely going to butcher this name here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say uh, Junus Suotamo. Yunus Suotamo. Jonas. A.K.A. Nubaka. Nubaka. We're, we're just going to go Nubaka from here on out because... I cannot speak Finnish, apparently. Uh, we also have Paul Bettany. You know him from WandaVision. You know him from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You also know him from A Beautiful Mind. Uh, you also know him from... That's right, he was in that. Uh, wasn't he in... Uh, Night's Tale. Night's Tale, but he was also in... What was that movie with uh, Tom Hanks with... Uh, um, oh, damn it. I can't think- one? No, it was uh, he Turn. was a he was like a monk or something like that. Um, damn it, Da Vinci, da Vinci, Code. Vinci Code. Yes, Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he he played Silas the monk. Oh! Uh, we also have uh, Tani Newton. You know her from Crash, Westworld, uh, where she plays Maeve. Love that show. If we ever oh, do she's... kind of a, a breakdown of of the next season of Westworld, I'm in. What's that uh, show rated? Do we know? I, I don't care at this point. I'll downrate it to 6.9. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for that it. show regardless. Uh, you also know her from Mission Impossible 2 and The Pursuit of Happiness. All right. We have a couple of taglines here. Actually, we only have one tagline here, and the tagline is, never tell him the odds. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, really? That That's how you're going to get people interested in the movie? They, they needed a better tagline for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. There's a now I'm starting to see why it got so much like undeserved shit thrown onto the movie <laughs> that like made Disney made the Rise of Skywalker like the the criticism from some people for Solo is what led to the Rise of Skywalker. We'll get into that later. 
Just continue. I have beef about that. Uh, Mayor Matt has put into the chat here, Westworld is at an 8.6. Close enough for me. I, I, I if we can get it Westworld. to a 9.6 and just flip it, we're good. Now, that's all three seasons, right? Like, that's combined average score. I Confession, I, I haven't so. seen the third one. I know what happens in, after the second one. The second one left you kind of like, WTF, what, what's going on here? And then the third season, I know, that just went crazy route with, like, Marshawn Lynch up in there and, and all sorts of yeah. crazy. Yeah, he, he was surprisingly good in that show. I, I, was, I was all in I for love it. Marshawn. All right. So we open up on the classic um, Star Wars prologue, except this time we don't actually get the the scroll. It's just static words here. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It is a lawless time. Crime syndicates compete for resources, food, medicine, and hyperfuel. On the shipbuilding planet of Corellia, the foul Lady Proxima forces runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection. On these mean streets, a young man fights for survival, but yearns to fly among the stars. Now, we don't have a scroll, but we certainly have a lot of expository, like, a lot of exposition right off the top, like, yeah. introducing us. Like, I didn't expect it to be reading in a Star Wars I, movie. You know, I, I've seen this movie twice now, and yeah. I did not remember that they opened up that way. And I admit, you have to have the scroll. The scroll is like mm, such an iconic mm, Star Wars thing. Mm, 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 mm. Give us I, or give us some kind of version of it or something. They, no. they, they wanted to only do that for the Skywalker saga movies, so they kept it off of the other ones. That is correct. And 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 you know, it's, it's a Star Wars story. It's a it's a side a little side offering of the Star Wars saga. Well, it's well, always. Mission. The scrolls are strictly for the Skywalker legacy, the Skywalker uh, family. Not not Han. He's he's a he's a scoundrel. He's a uh, he's a nerf herder. All right, we don't give him the, the benefit of a scroll. He's it, it the is, father of Kylo Ren. He should have gotten the scroll off of and that. Jade without, Solo and another. Without universe. his sperm, there is no Kylo. <laughs> nerf herder sperm. Kylo sperm. <laughs> Now you've gone too far. Oh, this is going to be fun. We see sparks flying and someone is trying to hotwire a land speeder. He gets it started and drives off through a shipyard. Someone is yelling behind him, don't let him get away. He does not look like he's in good shape at all. He was definitely in a fight very, very recently. Uh, we get a close-up of him hanging what looks to be dice in the rearview mirror. He stashes the speeder and some guards uh, are rounding up some children. Uh, inside, the kids are arguing about the stuff they just stole. Proxima's going to give me an extra portion for these. Not if I give it to her first. Give it back to me. It belongs to whoever's holding it. And our hero here walks through the tunnels, and a girl calls out his name, Han. He grabs her, and they start to kiss, of the course. mother of dragons. Uh, she was How many times do you think he's heard his name just called out, and he just starts macking? You know what I mean? 17 times a day. Like, that's just his life, huh? But don't call him Han. Mm-hmm. We, it we has to be Han. That out. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I, I'm just interjecting here. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, j- jump on it. I don't know where where we're going with this, but well, can we talk about the dice just yet, or no? We, we'll, we'll save the dice for later, right? The dice come back into play. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. They come back. They come back numerous times. No, but uh, but nice little uh, little. If you're listening, the kids in the tunnels of Lady Proxima's like dungeon uh, orphanage, uh, they're playing Sabak. So. We find out why Han is, uh, is so uh, crafty at the at the card game. I do have a note about that. Same note too, bro. You do talk about Han Solo and calling him by the right name. And of course, people cracking on each other. How many times do you think he was called Han Solo? <laughs> Han Solo. It reminds me of Dodgeball. Probably after every time the back didn't work. <laughs> we don't need to describe the motions. That's how the girl shut him down. That was a Zoolander. That's a fine. It is Zoolander. It is Ben Stiller. Oh, you got me. That's a big fine. That is a big fine. That's oh. that's the biggest of fines. That's fifty dollars. Put it in the kitty. Yeah. Come on, it's a walk off. The wrong Ben Stiller roll. That is fifty dollars worth. Damn it. Uh, she was concerned with is it how ben long. Ben or Bond? It's Bond. Bond Stiller. Yeah. Uh, she was concerned with how long he was gone. Something must have gone wrong. Uh, Han says, you should see the other guys. They jumped me as I was making the deal, but I showed them. I kept some of the coaxium and boosted their speeder. It's worth about five to six hundred credits. 
Uh, more than enough for the two of them to get off the planet Corellia. And as they begin to sneak out of the tunnels, they're start, stopped by some guards here, uh, Moloch, Sky, and Rebolt. And uh, Han says, hey, Moloch, I was just on my way to see. And as soon as uh, he's about to say something, uh, Moloch says, where's the money? Han says, what a night I had. You're not going to believe it. Well, you'll believe it, but and uh, he gets uh, popped right in, right in the stomach here. They start to search him for all the money. They take him and Kira here to see Lady Proxima, and she's leader of the White Worms. Lady Proxima emerges from this pool, and she's got to be at least 20 feet tall. At least 20 feet tall. She's pretty uh, she, cool. I like the character character design for her. Like They have her all decked out in like jewels and gems, and, and she's like just this crazy worm-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Great voice, by the way, which is... Uh, what's her Linda name? Hunt. Linda Hunt. Thank who, you. Who, who yes. is extremely short, Lunt. so... Uh, all, all I know Careful her from there. is from CSI, right? Or NCIS, one of those those CBS crop drama shows. NCIS. And and uh, she's Edna Mole from The Incredibles. Yep. Edna Mole. Uh, no capes. Kindergarten cop. No capes. Oh, and Kindergarten cop. Oh. She was Love me some Kindergarten Cop. What is Kindergarten Cop rated? Is it on our spreadsheet? Oh, uh, 93. I don't care. To be. In, in my heart, it's Has 93. Yeah, that's true. That's I'm looking right now. Yeah. That's 2. one of my favorite quotable Arnold movies. 6.2. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, let's start getting it up. Let's start rating that up. To, just, so point, get to, just seven tenths of a point. That's all we mm-hmm. need. Right? That's, all, that's, all, that's all we need. We'll just rate it 100%. It'll get, <laughs> my, it'll get up there quicker. You have to bring uh, one toy to the carpet. One toy. Today we are playing police school. That's really, really good. Wow. Girls have penises. Or boys have penises. Girls have vaginas. Yeah. We do? My, my head hurts. It's not the oh my god, it's a ferret. He's not a ferret. <laughs> what does your father do? Arnold's who also negative. Who, 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 I got to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want them answered immediately. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? I I only have like one word that I can say, like Arnold, and it's Maria, give me a stogie. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's that's the most limited fake that I got. Whenever I have a bad day, it's just it's not not vibing. I always go back to that to one like probably my, probably my favorite YouTube clip of all time. It's like the top one hundred Arnold quotes. I think everyone's seen it. It's an amazing montage of just some of his finest work. You got all the hits. You got you got the great kindergarten cop. You've got him as Mr. Freeze. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. All the little quirks, <laughs> like little quips that he makes, like when he kills the the, the alligator in uh, what is that? That's uh, not is it a racer? Your luggage. <laughs> like, you know you you know kindergarten is like the ocean. You don't want to turn your back on it. Who? Do, I mean, it's a, just a great premise, a great plot. This this undercover cop decides to just infiltrate a kindergarten school, an elementary school, to capture Dominic, Dominic's father, who is this huge crime lord. But you know what? That's we're let's save the kindergarten cop. We're we're, we're on the wrong movie here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lady Proxima the, wants to know what happened in the deal. I'll t- I'll tell you what happened. They double cross you and try to kill me. That's what happened. He says the other criminals kept the money in the coaxium, but we learned a very valuable lesson. We cannot trust those guys. Lady Proxim is furious that Han came back with nothing from his errand. He says, well, I came back with my life. That's that's pretty important to me. Uh, Rebolt uh, beats Han with a stick here. Han grabs Rebolt's stick and says, the next guy that hits me, I'm going to hit him back. Uh, Moloch points his, uh, his blaster at Han, but Kira steps in between them. Lady Proxima tells Kira, remember the silo? We pulled you out of that horror. Gave you a home. Don't throw it away, don't throw it away on Han. He's not worth it. Kira says, whatever they lost in the deal, she and Han will, du- will earn it double. Moloch says, coaxium is precious. Scum rats like you come cheap. Han pulls something out of his coat and yells for everyone, stand back. I've got a thermal detonator. And he arms it. Proxima is not fooled. She says, that's just a rock, and you made the clicking sound with your mouth. Kira says, I hope that's not your plan. Han says, no, this is, and he chucks a rock through the ceiling, letting in a beam of sunlight, and Han has got an absolute chooch. He's got a cannon. <laughs> it's a really shot at the window. Like, what was that, Mayor? This is Dave Parker. 
yeah, it, it was an absolute cannon. Uh, exposed to light here, Proxima is badly burned in the face and dives back beneath the pool. Han and Kira escape in Han's stolen land speeder and race out of the White Worm's Den and into the streets of Coronet. Han uh, plans to drive to the uh, Coronet spaceport with the stolen coaxium and use it to bribe their way off-world. Han vows to be a pilot and see the galaxy. Kira hopes that they are going to get their own starship and no longer be told what to do. They are pursued... Go ahead. Just interjecting here once more. He has aspirations and dreams of being a pilot, just like some other big figure in the Star Wars universe. Who was that? Mm. He wants to get off his. I think his name was planet. Duke. Anakin? Wait, is it Fluke? That's the guy I think it's Gook. Duke Landcrawler. So they are soon pursued here by Moloch's uh, truck speeder, which is carrying uh, two Karelian hounds. Moloch rams the truck speeder against Han's land speeder, and he narrowly avoids a truck. Han drives through an Imperial checkpoint. Uh, A droid objects to their intrusion, but is rolled over and decapitated by Moloch's truck speeder. Han and Moloch are now being pursued by an Imperial patrol trooper on a patrol speeder bike. The rider crashes into a barrier, and it's it's not it's not looking good for him. Uh, Han and Kira are driving through a factory with Moloch hot on their tail. Han tries to get away for good by squeezing between two buildings. Kira says that it's too tight. Hell yeah, it's not going to work. Han says, "Oh yeah, watch this," and he flips the speeder on his side, driving between the buildings, and he's stuck. Men. <laughs> with the land speeder stuck, Moloch dispatches Rebolt and the Corellian Hounds after them. Han and Kira manage to reach the Coronet spaceport on foot, and there is a strong Imperial military presence at the spaceport where there are long lines to get off-world. They witness several people, including a family being arrested by stormtroopers. Han and Kira sneak into a line during the disturbance. Kira is worried about being snatched up by traffickers or sold to the Crimson Dawn or the Hut Cartel. Han vows protector. He puts his dice in her hands. Hell yeah. For luck, he says, Baby. damn right. Since they don't have identification, Han and Kira use the coaxium vial to bribe a Imperial immigration officer into letting them through the customs booth. After depositing the coaxium in the slot, Han manages to cross through. Before Kira can uh, cross the border to the other side of the terminal, she is apprehended by the White Worms enforcers. Men. Kira tells Han to flee, and he vows to return Spacemen. <laughs> Han manages to evade Imperial forces and the White Worms by donning a stolen hat and hiding behind several crates. This is a classic, classic move. You steal someone's jacket and someone's hat right off their head. How do you not feel that hat coming off your head? They have Star Wars tech. Don't they have the binoculars that can like, like scan faces and scan? Like we we have that on our phones. How can they not find this man with a simple disguise in a not so busy terminal? It's busy, but not like it's the freaking Empire. They can they they can track him down. This is ridiculous. And, and speaking of phones, it is amazing to me that they've mastered you know hovercraft and all these other things as ships that go everywhere and all you know hyperspeed and all that. No cell phones in this particular um, universe. True. They got hollow cons. Like, you saw Lando later on, jumping the gun here, but he has a little diary that he, a little hollow diary that he employs. Yeah, but that's, again, no way of two-way communication. You couldn't have just, like, called him and said, hey, where are you at? Elon Musk hasn't provided the technology yet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to believe he lives in in this galaxy. He's in another galaxy. It's far, 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 further, further, much further away, much further away. Han witnesses more people being arrested here by stormtroopers. Han finds an Imperial military recording recruiting post. Uh, he volunteers to join the Navy as a pilot. Uh, the recruiter asks his name. He says Han. And then wait, 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 wait. Did you not hear the, the what, what su- very subtle track that plays as we as we, we get this very like. Uh, uh, we have the posters, the big, big empire posters. Join the empire now. The recruiting center, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a slight variation of the Imperial March. Well, I actually have a note on this uh, in the trivia. It is the Imperial March, but in a major chord instead of a minor minor ah, chord. So yeah, it's like very like it's it, it gives a little bit more oomph and yeah. more uh, more more of a of upbeat uh, touch. Exactly. So. Well, and throughout most most of the movie, if you think about it, I mean, there there were tones of the Star Wars music. Obviously, it was same composer, yeah. but they did vary it in just about the entire movie until 
a pretty key part at the end. Yeah. Uh, when the recruiter asks for the family name, he says, who are your people? Han says that he's alone. The recruiter makes one up and says, Han Solo. Uh, approving Han's application, he tells Han to proceed to transport ID-83 to the Imperial Flight Academy on Karita, uh, promising that Han will be flying in no time. Uh, we now cut to Han flying through the air uh, after an explosion. Uh, we're jumping now three years into the future, and we are in full-on war. Han takes uh, takes part in a ground assault led by Major Staz to capture a ridge. Uh, after Han is thrown to the ground, Staz helps him uh, to the ground, and uh, he tells him that they're almost there, or helps him off the ground, tells him that they're almost there. Solo is confused, but uh, Staz says that we got to head up here to the last ridge. Staz is... is killed immediately by an explosion. Uh, he sees a guy taking on the whole army by himself up on top of the ridge. Now we're down in a trench. One of the soldiers says, I thought we were here for a quick job. This ain't a quick job. It's an all out war. Uh, the gunslinger that we uh, see here, he sees an AT hauler and says, that's what we came for. The forward operating base must be this way. Uh, Han tells him, tells him that's what the major said before he died. The gunslinger now asks who the ranking officer is. Han says, you are captain. Han's, uh, Han and some of the uh, surviving troops gather in a trench with Captain Tobias Beckett. Uh, Beckett leads the soldiers into action. They take out the last resistance on the ridge. Following the skirmish, Han speaks with Captain Beckett, thanking him for his help. Beckett says, get off this planet as fast as you can and get away uh, as far away as you can. He asks what, uh, what company he commands, and Beckett's companions tell him, the none of your business company, and we're full. <laughs> I, I, I love that. The Roy Bellamy is strong in him. Nanya, <laughs> Nanya Company. Yeah, uh, Nanya jokes in in the in the Star Wars universe. It's pretty awesome. Timeless. Timeless. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Bolden tells Han and his comrades that they're going to be moving out to the southern marshlands in three hours. Uh, when Bolden requests an advance party, Solo basically questions why the Empire is destroying and occupying uh, Mimban, pissing off his commanding officer. Like that's that's not something you do. Uh, Han seeks out Beckett and his gang who are planning a heist. Han recognizes them as thieves who are posing heist. as Imperial Army personnel. I love a good heist movie. Uh, Val and Space Beckett. Heist. Space heist. What, what, what could be better? Val and Beckett here want to uh, want to kill Han, but he offers his services as a pilot. When Rio asked what a uh, fancy flyboy is doing in the mud, he claims that he was kicked out. Uh, of the academy for having a mind of his own. Han points out that Rio is an Ardinian. He said he could see his uh, hands coming out of the back of his jacket to pull up his pants. And desperate to escape off-world, Solo tries to blackmail them and to allow him to join their gang by threatening to expose them as infiltrators. However, Beckett turns the tables on him and convinces the lieutenant that Solo is trying to desert. And they captured a deserter. Well, wait. Can we go back to how bad of an origin story it is for Han Solo's name. That one, that's the one that's in like, yeah, that's, that like, that's is, a very, that's a very, very good point. Well, what that's else did you want it to be? I, I, think, I thought it was perfect. Oh God. So we're supposed to believe that this, this Imperial officer, uh, a, a, uh, uh, some recruitment officer is the one that just fabricates one of the best character names in, in all the Star Wars, all of science fiction. No, 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 and 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 and, and solo—that's that's Spanish, all right. Well, it's, it's, a Latin, it's a Latin background. I'm sure that there are, are a multitude of alien languages that are being spoken there. Maybe Latin is one of them that's not dead there. <sighs> Young Han is very swarthy, so maybe they thought, you know what, he could be could be Mediterranean. Who knows? Han Mono is not nearly as cool <laughs> as Han Solo. <laughs> Han alone. <laughs> I mean. They they named Anakin and Luke after David Thompson, so it, it seems fair. Hmm. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be Luke Skykiller, or by the way, Star Killer. Sorry, Star Killer. That's what it Star was. Star Killer. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Uh, the lieutenant has a chain solo thrown into a pen where he is condemned to battle a beast that is held in captivity. Uh, two Imperial Army troopers, sentries joke that they haven't fed the beast in three days and this should be fun. We hear some growls and some roaring. And out of this out of this cave, this huge beast appears and just roars in Han's face. Han tells the beast to calm down and take it easy. And telling him that they're on the same side, he picks up a handful of mud and just slings it right in his eyes. 
the beast attacks Han and hurls him uh, against some girders and into the mud. The guards above, they are not happy at all because the beast is killing Han too quickly. As the beast tries to drown Solo in the mud, he begins to choke and gurgle. And the, uh, the beast stops choking him when he recognizes this as his own mother tongue. Jonas, it's you. Did anybody Jonas? ever... Jonas? Did you stop to wonder was that Chewbacca was even a meat eater? Mm. Well, with, with the canine meat teeth, you, you have yeah, to, you teeth, have to yeah. go and assume that it's a meat eating. Why do we have to assume? Yeah, but, assume nothing. I mean, I, what about vegan Wookiees? Yeah. I mean, I, not that I was going in that direction, but <laughs> to say he was like, would, would tear humans apart and eat their, tear beings apart and eat them. I just... The, the Chewbacca that we know seemed a little bit more refined than that. I thought that was part of the character's charm is actually it's this big, hairy, beastly thing that has this bit of nuance and to have it be introduced as a as this thing that literally was just feeding on people that were thrown into his cage just seemed a little bit bizarre to me. I will also say that the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was really weird that he was naked even though he's always naked and just wearing <laughs> belts on, but he just looked more naked because he mm-hmm. wasn't wearing the belts. Yeah. True naked. Uh, yeah. I never thought of that. Well, <laughs> like I the guess first the mud, time, like, the mud like, made it look much more, much, he made, made him look much more naked. Uh, yes, exactly. So I always just thought impossible. that was funny. So is it a Winnie the Pooh situation or a Donald <laughs> Duck situation with Chewbacca? It's neither it's because like a, he just wears the belts. Yeah, more like a Tigger a situation, the, right? The, the, yeah, the bandoleras. Like Tigger has nothing. Also Spanish. So he, no one cares. He's just walking around, bouncing around all perky. Yeah, very, very perky. Han Things convinces the, Han convinces the beast that he is a friend and that he has a plan to break out in very broken uh, Wookiees. I'm not actually sure what the language is is called or how to even pronounce it. Kashikian. Uh, Kashikian. I I I think that is I, somewhere not, in I, here. That's a complete BS. That's um, a, so working together, the, uh, the two, they stage a fight. The unsuspecting sentries laugh and think that Han is doomed. The post holding up the cell isn't breaking fast enough, and Han tells, uh, tells the Wookiee, you, you tired, you mangy Kashikian moof milker. Uh, the beast gets uh, super pissed off and pushes Han against the main pillar, supporting the cell, causing it to collapse. Uh, after jumping out of harm's way, the beast throws Han out of the pit and follows him out. And then the two uh, find out that they're chained together. Classic. The beast wants to flee the camp, but Han convinces him to escape to a nearby airfield. He tells him that he's got some friends waiting for him. And once we get there, then they can go their separate ways. Uh, meanwhile, Beckett's gang, they have boarded their stolen AT hauler. Uh, throwing off the Imperial Army helmet and uniform, Rio asks how the, how people can breathe in these stuffy suits. The three take off, uh, and Beckett uh, spots Han and the Beast waving at them below. Rio's impressed by Solo's determination and thinks that a Wookiee will be helpful as muscle. Val is not on board with this, but Rio convinces Beckett to bring the ship down so that they can pick up Han and the Wookiee. They depart Mimban in the stolen AT hauler. Han pops in the shower and the Wookiee steps in. Han says, hey, couldn't we done this like one at a time? And the Wookiee just uh, just roars at Han. Tension. Super tension. Shiry Wook. That is the dialect that Chewbacca speaks. Shiry Wook. Sounds like and- he speaks the language of love with that shower move. Baby. Now we are... <laughs> now we are flying over some snowy mountains and Han and the Wookiee are out on the uh, outer deck. Han thanks the Wookiee for helping him out, tells the Wookiee that they only took you because of me. Han says, we have a sweet deal. We have a sweet deal here. If we do this one job, we'll earn a lot of money and then we can be free. When, when was the last time that you could actually say that? Then Han asks the Wookiee his name. The Wookiee just growls back and that translates into Chewbacca. Han says, it- no, go ahead. No, no, no. You could finish. Sorry. Uh, Han says, all right, you're going to need a nickname because I ain't saying that every time. Awfully rich from a man who just had his name fabricated by some imperial putz. All right. How dare you? Chewbacca is giving you his, 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 his full Kashikian name. And here you are just like poo-pooing that. Bantha poo-poo. That. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it it might be difficult to say over and over and over again in a Chewbacca. high situation. Chewbacca. Not that Chewy. hard. Come on, Chewy. Han. Chewy. I, I, I know quite a few Chewies from Albuquerque, so. <laughs> but imagine if they'd gone the other way and it's like Baca instead of Chewy. You know? So I, I know I know a few Bacas as well. Whoa. <laughs> By the way, a quick side note. I don't know if you guys have been watching Book of Boba Fett, but a uh, fantastic Wookiee character is introduced there, a Wookiee bounty hunter. Oh, he's so badass. Black Kristen. Kristen. Oh, love Kristen. him. With his fucking, and, like... Chrysanthem. Chrysanthem. Black Chrysanthem, yeah. With Chrysanthem. His, like, what, what, what would you even call those fisticuffs he has? They're like electric... Like brass electric brass nuts. knuckles. Yeah, yeah. They're so sick. I love, I love the way he uh, fights, gets down. He's a bounty hunter. My nickname Gladiator. for him... My nickname for him, Chewblacko. Chupac, Chupac or Black Wookie, Bookie, Lando Month, Blookie. On a different pod where they broke down uh, the show, they interviewed the actor that played him, and he decided that Chupac was his Chupaca or Chupac <sighs> was his favorite nickname. So that is one. what he is officially called. Chupacalypse. <laughs> <laughs> also, that that leads that also reminds me, like these Wookies are very like just. Easy to, to win over, right? Chewbacca, uh, uh, Chewpac. Like, they're just like, even in, in Book of Boba Fett, like, they just beat him up. And then, hey, you want to join us? Sure, let's go. And Chewbacca, just all they have to do is fight and escape. But, all right, cool. Undying loyalty to you, Han. That even is re- your real name. Yeah, who would have thought providing somebody with freedom would, like, lead to them have, giving you, like, unvarnished loyalty? Who figures? Now we have Beckett, Val, and Han doing some recon work for their heist. While surveying the train tracks from a distance, Beckett outlines his plan, which involves hitting the conveyance between the tower and the bridge. Rio's going to drop them onto the conveyance so that they can separate the payload container and lift it up onto the AT hauler. Rio's then going to jam the communication signals while Val blows up the bridge, allowing them to fly away. Beckett says if they trip the security beam and trigger the Vipers, it's going to get real spicy real fast. Val says that, that they should be worried about Enfys Nest. Beckett says, we don't have to worry about them. There's no way that they even know about this score. Val says, you better be right. Sometimes you put your faith in the wrong people. And she looks at Han. Val does. Val is not liking this whole Han and Chewbacca joining the crew. Uh, she says that they're amateurs and calls them morons. Han says they're not morons. Uh, they've been waiting their whole life for a score like this. Beckett defends his plans, says that this is going to clear all our debts. They can go back to Gleon Slam, and he'll finally learn how to play that Valachord. I'd really like to know what a Valachord is, what it sounds like. I got to imagine mm-hmm. that it's one of the instruments that uh, the model nodes play in the cantina. It's got to be one of those, right? It has to be, yeah. There's that's like very, four or five very, of them. At some point. There's one that's like a theremin that they just play with their hands. Like, But then there's one that's like a, like a recorder. It's got to be one of those. I'm on it. I would shout out Book of Boba again because they brought back the Cantina Band. Whoa, 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 whoa! Cantina Band didn't come back. That's they're back in in Mos Eisley's, or they went on to bigger and better gigs in the galaxy. Uh, You're talking about Mr. Max Rebo, the legendary Max Rebo, who who thank goodness survived the 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 skiff explosion, Jabba's uh, sail barge explosion, because that was heartbreaking when I was what 12 years old seeing. My beloved Max Rebo die. Not just to go on and die again in Book of Boba Fett. He died a second time, I think. I hope not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can only die once. R.I.P. Max Rebo. I, I hope not. At is the true, campfire. Is it true the Cantina Band pulled all of their um, masters from Spotify because they don't agree with Joe Rogan? Bigger <laughs> <laughs> and Don. Bigger and Don is like, nope, nope, can't do this. I'm joining a... Uh, I'm joining the gang. I'm, I'm, I'm Find me on Pandora only. Start culture wars. At the campfire, Beckett and, his, Beckett and his associates question Han about his motives. Rio thinks it's about revenge. Val says, no, it's about a girl. It's always about a girl. Han tells him that uh, his plans to become a pilot and to go back and find Kira. Rio says that he prefers not to be tied down to anyone while Val talks about her relationship with Beckett. Han and Chewie. Uh, Han asks Chewie what he's going to do with his share. Han trans- translates that the Wookiees were enslaved by the Empire and taken off Kashyyyk. 
Han says that Chewbacca is looking for his family or his tribe. He couldn't really tell what he was saying. Beckett says, what's the difference? Beckett does this little knife trick, and Han says, show me how to do that. Beckett says that the only thing you need to learn is do what I say when I say it. This time tomorrow, you'll have more than enough to buy your own ship. Beckett disassembles his blaster rifle and tosses the blaster to Han. This is what he uses for the rest of his natural-born life. Natural-born killer life? To be specific, it's a DL-44 heavy modified blaster. Hmm. Thank you for the correction. I, I knew I brought you in, into this episode <laughs> for very, very specific reasons. Those are my notes. Um, by the way, uh, before we get to it, uh, Beckett, show, show off. Straight up show off. All right? I know you're trying to be cool. You're trying to be the leader. You don't need to twirl your gun every time you shoot. I feel like it's every, every time he's firing that thing off afterwards. <laughs> Well, that that's why that's why my note in here was was he was the gunslinger when he's up there on top of that ridge just pop pop pow pew, 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 gunslinging it too much show off oh, it was show it was off. perfect so now uh, Rio is flying the hauler Han and Chewbacca and Beckett land on the cargo wagon carrying coaxium while Val sets up a position on the bridge Beckett opens up the hatch and they see the coaxium says they hit Pater. Han says that it's enough to power a fleet. Beckett says, or it's enough to blow us all to hell. Rio wants to know if it's a good day. Beckett says it's the best day of his life. Rio says, I don't know. <laughs> You've never been to a Minoc roast on Ardinia. Beckett's, Beckett and his team's presence soon draws the attention of the Imperial troopers who exchange fire with them. As a conveyor train navigates through a narrow cliff face, Han and Chewie narrowly escape being crushed against the rocks. Working together, the two manage to detach the coaxing wagon from the rear line. Keeping in touch with Beckett, Rio lowers the winch cables onto the coaxium wagon. Rio says that he's going to open a cantina somewhere warm, but not too warm. Hmm. Uh, before Beckett's gang can escape with the stolen coaxium, the group is attacked by Emphis Nest. Emphis, or, Emphis Nest orders her followers to lower their harpoons. Han and the others dodge the blaster fire. One of the swoop bikes crashes against a rock. Two of the cloud riders board the AT hauler and shoot Rio in the back. Beckett asks if he still is with us. Rio says he's good, just nicked his shoulder. Beckett doesn't think that Rio is okay. Uh, the AT hauler crash lands on top of the conveyance, and Solo leaves Chewbacca to uncouple the wagon from the front train while he goes to help Rio. For this like scene, because I was like kind of half paying attention, so there were moments where it was almost like. It, it reminded me of the storming of like the battle scenes in Mockingjay. So I had like kind of those kinds of vibes and uh, uh, I didn't like it at all. I was like, it's reminding me of the other bad, that bad movie I didn't like. <laughs> I think it was all the rocks. Solo manages to climb aboard the transport hauler and fly the ship, tripping a security sensor as he gains control. Rio is hurt pretty bad, and he says he's just going to rest his eyes. That That is never a good sign. Poor Rio. Uh, Val warns Han How that... would you like to rest your eyes? <laughs> Thinking about it. I'm good. You sure? I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm wide awake. <laughs> uh, careless warns, on his part totally careless on his part that's why he's dead so i mean yeah if you want a reason why he's dead blame it on rio well rio had to had to go he had to become one with the force so that he could come back as a force spirit and give us all these wonderful new star wars properties because of course rio voiced by the one and only great john favreau who's given us so much as star wars fans i would say the best stuff as, as in, the, in, the, in the Disney Star Wars era. Who's, who's the, who's the guy he's working with like hand in hand. Is it singular when it comes to like some of the stuff, he's the one that directed episode six. I'm trying to remember what's his name. Filoni? Fa- David, David Filoni. Yeah. David Filoni. I don't know why I was thinking singular. I was thinking a different David, but he's the, the two of them make such a good canon pair when it comes mm-hmm. to Star Wars. And I've just anything they get their little, you know, thingies on. I'm all about. And they just gave him a hefty, hefty uh, contract just recently to make more Star Wars things. So we can expect more great stuff from those two. Filoni's been, he, he's been around since Lucas's time and he's kind of like Lucas's right hand man. And 
he's kind of the the I guess I don't know um Am- Budsman of of Star Wars. Yeah, Stilly like, Rabbit. We well, took he took over for <laughs> yeah he, he right took over for for Clone Wars and and Rebels. So he was very involved with all the, the D- nuanced storytelling. Filiano, right? No, okay, just no. Deep Jose Feliciano. No, he's talking about uh, Feliz Navidad. Uh, Feliz Stiviano. Navidad. V. Stiviano, something like that. Feliz that that's what Navidad. Doing, right? His what? All right, Val warns Han that the Viper probe droids are heading their way. Uh, as the skirmish continues, Val, who is stationed on top of the nearby bridge, uses her vantage point to distract and fend off several security Viper droids. Beckett fights with Enthus Ness on top of the wagon with his dying breath. Rio apologizes to Han Solo for mocking his flying abilities and tell him, tells him that Val was right in her belief that no one should die alone. The conveyor is rapidly approaching the bridge, and Val realizes that there is not enough time for her to abandon her position without letting the crew steal the coaxium wagon. She tells Beckett of her change of plans and says, It's been a ride, babe. She detonates the bomb, killing herself and destroying the bridge. The destruction of the bridge causes the conveyor to plunge into a deep gorge. After a struggle, Chewie manages to detach the coaxium wagon from the rest of the train. The Enfys Nest gang have attached grappling hooks to the wagon, dragging it down. Enfys says, release your cables or die. They're flying straight into the mountain in the ultimate game of chicken here. Not wanting to risk the lives of Beckett and Chewbacca, Solo makes the difficult decision to let go of the coaxing wagon, which plunges into the ravine below and explodes. Uh, Chewbacca grabs Beckett and the two survive by clinging onto the cable. Uh, the boys are safe. Uh, Beckett is kneeling in front of the graves uh, for Val and Rio. They were up on top of a mountain now. Han and Chewie approach Beckett. Uh, Beckett punches Han in the face, and Beckett says that they were hired by Crimson Dawn to steal the coaxium. They owe 100 keys of refined coaxium. Uh, When Crimson Dawn finds out, they're going to kill everyone. Uh, Han proposes deserting, but Beckett counters and says that uh, Dryden Voss sent, will send out bounty hunters to hunt down those who have crossed him. So Val blows herself up by that bridge. Correct. And they fly off and do all this stuff. And then the next scene, we've got two buried bodies. Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if they're buried bodies. It could just be, you know, memorials. memorials. Well, there there was loose dirt. So there was something dug. So maybe you just kind of dug and did this or. It was ceremonial, but again, I, this was a little bit bizarre to me that there wasn't going to be much left of her to bury after detonating that bomb. And then in the midst He's, of all that, I doubt they went back like with a sand bucket and just kind of scooped everything up and dug a hole and buried it. Yeah. Very, very, very uh, uh, heroic, I guess, uh, among thieves. I don't know. Uh, but did Val have to kill herself? Really? Like, is there any other way that they could have gotten out of this? Like. Feel like she just gave in so. way too quickly. She had to go make Westworld. She she likes to make a, a splash, you know. And I, I we see that in Westworld, and I think we're seeing it here. You know, she's just you know she's she's making the 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 sacrificial cut that she feels is going to really amplify this film. So I you're mean, saying that her career is about to blow up? Oh, absolutely! It's going to explode. Blow up before the glow up. Beckett says that the only thing they can do now is go to Voss and make amends. Beckett says that it's not a good idea. Uh, if Han shows his face and they don't kill him, he's in this life for good. Han agrees to come along in order to make things right and exacts a promise from Beckett to pay him and Chewbacca for their services. Chewie agrees to come along. Beckett apologizes for punching Han. Han says it happens more often than you'd think. Beckett, Han, and Chewie are now traveling to the outskirts of Fort Ipso, where Voss's yacht, the First Light, has arrived. Uh, after surrendering their weapons, they enter this uh, this kind of party hall. Um, Beckett's team, they enter the yacht's hallway. Bitch in space party. Yeah. Pleasure barge. Ple- Ooh. Was, it, was that the Vikings? Didn't the Vikings have a pleasure barge? No, Jabba did, but it's close enough. Love a pleasure barge. A woman and some sort of Krang-looking thing here are singing this sultry, sultry duet here. The um, fish head singer is like, I, I mean, that was, this is what I, all right. I love, one of the things that Star Wars does 
really well. Are these little like little, little, little soirees, little parties, these little lounges, these little like beach and space parties? We get we get that from the very first movie that was made, A New Hope, and we go to the cantina, the aforementioned cantina with with figuring down the model nodes. We get that, and even in the new uh, trilogy when they go to um, the casino planet. That scene ah, yes. was one of the redeeming scenes of the whole movie because why? There's all these crazy space aliens, and that's what Star Wars does so so well. Uh, I just, don't just sorry, ahead, sorry, Matt. No, no, I was gonna say to finish my point. We didn't get enough aliens besides fish, Krang, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. singing fish, Krang, uh, the robotic droid cyborg ladies that, that's also singing, and like maybe one or two mask. Uh, individuals that we think are aliens, and a little bat thing. There's a little bat yep. alien just chowing down on 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 veggies or or, or some other uh, space cuisine. But we need more aliens in that scene. Uh, Ron Howard, you should have done better. I just wonder about the guys sitting around a table, the production folks, and the creatives that are making this stuff. Just the the thought of, hey, you know, this is we're gonna have this duet scene, and we need this. Whatever the hell that thing was, this little <laughs> upside down octopus looking, whatever the hell that thing was. But again, I always kind of look at the creativity. How do they? And then you convey that somehow you draw it on a napkin, and then somebody's got to create this, and it's 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 amazing to me. But the the level of intricate detail with it is is the stuff that I always enjoy. So Zoe, we're on the same wavelength on that. And that that fish head had like this deep baritone voice. It was awesome. Yeah, like you didn't expect this little tiny squid head to just belt out this very strong note but all yeah, voice that's, no muscle that's, that's what that's what Star Wars does give me more aliens more funky rodians and 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 twi'leks and well and, we we, and, we get some of those later on in this one um Beckett speaks to Voss's assistant and says that he needs to meet with Dryden Voss she tells him that Voss is meeting with the regional governor and he'll be with you shortly we now cut to Dryden Voss killing the governor pun intended I absolutely meant that one. Uh, Dryden's guard tells him that Beckett has arrived. Uh, Dryden tells the waitress to put his knife in his office and he might need it later. Beckett advises uh, Han and Chewie to keep their eyes down because the people here are not their friends. He says he needs a drink. Han and Chewie start to walk around the party, heads down, eyes on the floor. Chewie says he's going to go grab some food. Uh, Someone puts their hand on Han's shoulder and Han is about to tell Chewie to stop messing around and he turns around and it's Kira with an absolute glow up. Uh, They hug and he asks what she's doing there. She says that she works there. He tells her that he was doing this job and he was heading back to Corellia to find her. She says, well, now you don't have to. She says if if he would have stayed, they would have killed him. And he asks how she got out and she says that she didn't. They grab a drink, and we see this uh, tattoo on Kira's wrist. That's going to come into play later. Uh, she asked, what should they drink to? Han says, and I love this line. What should we drink to? Let's drink to and see where it goes. <laughs> That's What a pimp. Yeah. What a pimp of, a pimp of the galaxy uh, just oozing achievement and charisma Han Solo. Sex, yeah. Uh, I thought they did a great job of dropping in little some of those little personality traits, obviously, that we know much better in the other movies. But there was just enough there. They didn't overdo it, but there was just enough of those, like I said, those personality elements to kind of go, all right, yeah, this is all in a single line, and you know, brushed up his game for the later stuff. That that was probably my favorite line of the whole movie is "Let's drink too." Yeah. Uh, Chewie is absolutely owning this bar. He is double fisting shots like Rod Farva in Super Troopers. Uh, Kira asks if Han ever got his ship. Han says that he's about to, and that's why he's here. He is closing a very big deal. She says that she thought about him a lot and that he would be off somewhere in some big adventure. She imagined herself with him. Uh, Beckett interrupts them, and he he told Han not to talk to anybody. Han says that he can't keep his eyes down the whole time. He's going to run into someone. Uh, Kira greets Beckett and asks if they're working together. Voss arrives and Beckett introduces Han and Chewie to him. Voss reveals that Kira is his top lieutenant. She says that they grew up together on Corellia. Dryden says, ah, a fellow scrum rat. I admire anyone who can crawl out of a sewer, especially a sewer as putrid as Corellia. And now we focus on a ring on Dryden's finger. And it is the exact same symbol that is tattooed on Kira's wrist. 
After exchanging pleasantries, Voss chastises Beckett for underestimating Enfys Ness and tells Beckett to give him a reason not to kill them. He says, you know who I have to answer to, and you know he expects there to be consequences. Beckett says that he's going to get the coaxium. The remaining coaxium are all in Imperial vaults. Han proposes stealing some unrefined coaxium. Kira says that there is aesthetic coaxium beneath the spice mines on Kessel. Uh, the Pikes uh, control Kessel. Heard of that place before? Only once or twice. Or 20. Dryden tells uh, Dryden says the Crimson Dawn has a fragile alliance with the Pikes. While Voss is unwilling to jeopardize his syndicate's business relationship with the Pikes, Han and Beckett inform him that they have no alliance with the Pikes, and by taking on this operation themselves, it would not implicate Crimson Dawn. Uh, Kira is supportive of Han's idea, but warns that unstable coaxium might uh, they, it must be brought to a processing facility quickly before it deteriorates and explodes. Beckett suggests Sabarine since it is not under Imperial control. Dryden says the canisters are going to explode before they get to Sabarine, and you're going to need an incredibly fast ship with a brilliant pilot. Han says, all we need is a ship. We already have the pilot. Hell yeah. He's got the lines. Uh, that's one thing I got to give it to the to the writers. Smooth. Uh, yeah. He, they, he was got- such a good Han Solo. Like yeah. he... I liked, I, I think they, they got the right guy. They got the right writing behind him to be, you know, cause I mean, Harrison Ford is just such a, a lofty goal to live up to. And I thought he big, did a very good big job. shoes, big shoes. to fill. Yeah. Uh, Voss approves of the plan, but sends Kira to keep an eye on Han and Beckett. Beckett says that he can provide the gear and Kira is going to have to provide the ship. Kira now takes the group to the lodge at the nearby Fort Ipso. Uh, the guy that they're looking for is the best smuggler. He's evaded capture by the Empire more times than anyone. Uh, he's quite attractive, sophisticated, charming, has charisma, and has a prodigious... Uh, but he's hey retired now. now. He is, uh, he's just a sportsman. All they need is a ship. Kira says that he's never going to give up, and he won it playing Sabak. Uh, they find Lando Calrissian here playing Sabak with several alien patrons. Uh, Han says that he can take him out. He just needs the uh, the steak. He has his knife. He's got his fork. He's got his plate. All he needs is the steak. Han walks up to the table and asks if the seat is taken. Lando says, if the seat is empty, it must not be taken. They start talking, and Lando, Lando calls him Han. Han corrects him. Uh, Han asks Lando, Lando, Lando. I, I think that they're... Landonis. Yeah, Landonis. Uh, Han asks... Uh, <laughs> Lando, uh, if he won a ship playing cards, uh, Lando says that he's won a lot of things, including a subtropical moon in the Ocean Belt. It turned out to be a real money pit. Lando Calrissian, uh, five to a player, only made it to AAA shortstop. That's a great <laughs> name for a shortstop, Lando Calrissian. Landonis Balthasar Calrissian. Full name. That. that that's a, that's a hell of a middle name. LBC oh, baby. <laughs> anyone ever play Sabak? that is an actual game that they've they've created and you can actually play it on the much uh, uh, already criticized uh, star wars galactic cruiser if you have a, a spare two or three g's you can go and do that on uh in style hell yeah just an easy two or three g's i'm just plugging the the damn Thing in hopes that Disney throws a free reservation my way because I they should they absolutely should I'm going to go on a limb here and say all that of no Disney one, listens literally no one at Disney is ever going to listen to this one you that's not know. true we have millions of listeners that's <laughs> not true <laughs> they're certainly going to comb the internet and find out we did a pod about one of their properties yeah I was there say, we if go. they did a cease and desist would probably follow. <laughs> Uh, Han wins the first round, says it was beginner's luck, while Han and Lando are playing someone from Enfys Nest is spying on them. They go back and forth, raking a few pots between the two of them, and we have a huge hand here. Uh, Han goes all in, putting Lando all in. Lando says, whoa, 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 slow down, Han. Might want to quit while you're ahead. Uh, Han counters with, you might want to quit while you're behind. Uh Lando raises yeah. the hand with uh, with his ship against Han's non-existent VCX-100. Uh, Han shows his hand, and it is straight staves. Uh, everyone just thinks that he has laid down the absolute nuts. Lando says that he's been played. 
Han is good, just not good enough. Lando shows full sabak. Uh, Lando says all the drinks are on him. Uh, Baby. We get a, a card. We get to see a card sliding back into Lando's sleeve. You little cheater. Uh, the old uh, slave in the in the wrist. Yeah. Trick. Which, okay, I, I do have one thing to say about this whole sabak scene. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously kind of a, a play on poker. What absolutely infuriated me about this entire scene was that they were string betting in any poker house I've ever played. Poker room, house poker, casino, anything, poker tournaments, you cannot string bet. You cannot say, I see your bet and I raise you. That's a string bet. You have to say either I, I see your bet, I'm calling the bet, or you say I raise, which means I have called your bet and I am also raising. You cannot in any poker game out there string bet. And that that absolutely infuriated me. Except for Sabak. So what you're saying is Lando should just he should be the rightful owner of the, the Falcon to this day. Well both 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 Lando and bet. Han were were both string betting the entire time. They were saying, I see your bet and I raise you, you know, however much this is. Right. Yeah. But then in this case, nullify the bet. No no Falcon on the line. Yeah. The whole the whole Star Wars galaxy, the history would have been just swayed completely if that completely. Point. Uh, Han and Kira are now talking about the game. Han knows that he was cheated because all the green Silaps had already been played. Uh, Lando stops Han and asks for his ship. Han says, uh, I don't have it here. It's uh, it, it's in the shop. Uh, Kira tells uh, Lando that they need a ship capable of doing the Kessel Run. Uh, Lando wants half. Beckett comes up and counters with 25%. Lando counters with 40% because Beckett kills somebody that Lando owed a bunch of money to. Beckett manages to convince Calrissian to join the mission in exchange for 25% of the profits. Lando's droid and co-pilot, L3-37, who is uh, also a droid rights advocate, is making a scene here at the droid fighting pits. which is Voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. Uh, she picks a fight with one of the uh, droid owners who is in basically every single Ron Howard production, uh, his brother Clint Howard. Uh, he objects to uh, to her trying to stop the droids from fighting. L3 almost chokes the guy out, but Lando convinces her to let him go. Uh, L3 asks who the new guys are. Lando says that they are taking them to Kessel. L- L3 says, well, what if I don't elect to go? L3 says, or Lando says that he's going to wipe L3's memory, uh, but she has the best navigational maps in all the galaxy. We now cut to L3 cutting a hole through a gate. Lando shows Han that his uh, uh, ship is right here. The Millennium Falcon, we get to see it in all of its full glory. Lando has refurbished the ship, including installing uh, an escape pod and a wet bar, which... That's that's kind of awesome. Probably a jacuzzi. Oh, for sure. Uh, it turns out that the ship was not in storage; that it was that it was actually impounded. Uh, Beckett agrees to remove the gravity lock that's impounding the ship in return for taking off five percent of Lando's cut, taking it down to twenty percent. Lando reluctantly agrees with Beckett's deal. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I accept it. Getting the hang of this, Lando. Yeah. Come on, Chewie. Gonna need a little bit of that wookie oomph. As the Falcon disembarks, uh, Weasel, uh, who is from the Enfys Nest Gang, uh, says that they have planted a homing beacon on the ship, and Enfys gambles that if they survive, then they're gonna bring the uh, the prize to them. The Falcon constantly, constantly getting homing beacons placed on it. It never fails. Very fast ship, but very susceptible to beacons. <laughs> the one thing he didn't uh, put on there, anti-tracking detection. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's like whatever year it is, and we're still putting boots on vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why did Lando get impounded? Did he not pay like a... Registration? Parking yeah. tickets. Parking yep. tickets? Parked yeah. in a handicap zone. A space meter maid came by and... Absolutely. He got, he got caught cheating. Didn't move on trash day. Mm, <laughs> there we go. This one was just too crazy to release all in one episode. So catch us next week where we have the conclusion of Solo, a Star Wars story, 
on Lauer After Hours presents Cinema 